It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups. Winner take all. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back here again for another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team, every single day of the week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all of the other major podcasting platforms out there. Make sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, where every single Friday throughout the season and throughout the year, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. So either at me or DM me. Tomorrow is Friday, so go ahead and get those questions into me now. It's another Thursday, which means it's time for another crossover edition here. Going to be having a repeat crossover as we have Aaron Freeman, the host of the Locked On Falcons podcast. Talk to him out of the Panthers week eight matchup against Atlanta on the road where the Panthers ran it down the Falcons throats and won. Can they do that again this Sunday afternoon at home in their week 14 matchup as both the teams are still mathematically very much so in the playoff race in the NFC? Are either one of those teams going to be playoff teams? Um, Well, they need to win on Sunday. We'll see. So I'm going to talk to Aaron Freeman here on a crossover Thursday right after this message from our friends over at Stat Hero. No one plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Winning feels so much better, but traditional fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups. Winner take all. And here's the crazy part. Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play and you handpick the team you want to face one-on-one. This never-before-seen innovation of a fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid has stat hero players clocking odds that are over four times better why because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns stat hero puts you in control of your fate with stat hero you are in control of the stakes you decide how much you're going to play for and stat hero has no choice but to take it because they're daring you to beat them Stat Hero head to head is what daily fantasy sports should be one on one. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. What is up, everyone? It is crossover Thursday where I am. The host of the Locked On Falcons podcast, Aaron Freeman, joined by the host of the Locked On Panthers podcast, Julian Council. And of course, we are previewing this week 14 matchup between the Atlanta Falcons and Carolina Panthers. 
and Julian, we can never have a, a quiet week involving these two teams. Always seems to be some major drama going on. Last time it was Sam Darnold being benched and what was his future. Now it's the Panthers firing the offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, what's going on in Carolina? It seems like we are a long way away from the, the good vibes from that 3-0 and start, right? Yeah, a lot of things have changed since the last time they played Atlanta in a game where Carolina was able to hit the benchmark of the 56 rush attempts and pass completions that Matt Rule likes to hit in order for his team to have a successful game and win on offense. Well, the offense did not continue to do that as they came back home the next week and got embarrassed by New England. And that was also the last that we saw of Sam Darnold. Then enter Cam Newton, who just dazzled everyone with the two touchdowns in his first two touches on the road against Arizona. And then he actually played pretty well against Washington at home in his homecoming and Ron Rivera's return to Carolina. But that also led to a loss. Christian McCaffrey is now done for the season. Dante Jackson is now done for the season. The Carolina Panthers have lost two straight games, including the embarrassing loss on the road at Miami last time out. And as you mentioned, during the bye week at 1.19 p.m., this past Sunday afternoon, when all the one o'clock games are kicking off and folks like me are thinking we're going to have our day off and not have to think about this team, the Carolina Panthers decide to annoy me once again by firing offensive coordinator Joe Brady, who they tried to get in contact with on Saturday, but they could not do that until Sunday. And Matt Rule said, hey, buddy, it's not working out. Hit the road. We're going to move forward and try and see if we can salvage the rest of this season, even though it's probably not going to happen. So, yeah, that's where the Carolina Panthers are at. It's just never a dull day here in Charlotte. And I guess it's good in terms of what we do here. But it's also not great for my mental health. And I'm very annoyed right now. <laughs> well, annoyed is is certainly the tone in the Falcons fan base. And I guess the big story for that team going into this week is, is not as dramatic as it is with the Carolina Panthers. But, you know, a, a lot of it is can this team put together a complete game? Uh, can this team... Um, you know, continue to at least somewhat have a finger, maybe a pinky uh, in terms of their grip on controlling their destiny as far as the postseason. This is gearing up for kind of a must-win game. The Falcons' odds of making the playoffs are very low. I'm not necessarily expecting them to make the playoffs, but it is one of those situations where they kind of have to win this week against Carolina uh, in order to at least make those odds. I think the various analytics are saying like there's like a 1% chance that they make the playoffs. So maybe we oh, can yeah. get it to 2% uh, this week with a win against Carolina. And, you know, the Falcons are coming off uh, a tough loss against uh, Tampa Bay, but they look better against that team uh, than they did earlier this season when they got absolutely smoked by that team. And most of the good teams that they've faced this year, their running game is looking better. Their defense is looking better. So again, it seems like they're inching towards a complete game where this team actually will look good. Uh, and we'll just sort of have to see if that comes to fruition uh, this weekend in Carolina. Well, meanwhile, the Carolina Panthers have been searching for that complete game all season long. Uh, and one of the one, I guess they've had three probably this season. And Matt Rule, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, has said of those three, the last one of them was on the road against Atlanta, probably earlier in the season, week two against the Saints during that 3-0 and start. And then Arizona and Cam Newton's first game. Do Falcons fans, like, do you believe, you're not a believing in the playoffs, but like, what do the fans feel right now in year one there with, um, Arthur Smith about their chances because I look at last weekend like the Panthers didn't play they fired their OC but San Francisco lost to a 3-1 Seattle team uh you Washington was able to win which is helped helps them out there right there I guess in the sixth seed right now you also saw the Vikings lose to the winless Detroit Lions it seems like no one wants to hold on to 
the uh, six or seven seed in this wild card race so far? What like how what's the feeling surrounding the Falcons in terms of just their playoff hopes? I think everybody's similar to me uh, in the sense that they're not holding their breath. But obviously, you know, if they can get a win against Carolina, sort of uh, avenge that loss that they had a, a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, maybe that will get people's things flowing because they have a winnable stretch of games coming up. They have Carolina on the road. They have San Francisco on the road. Then they have uh, the no longer winless Detroit Lions at home. Maybe that will be the first time the Falcons will actually win a game in Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, this (laughs) upcoming or this current season. So it's one of those things where like if the Falcons are going to make people believers, it has to start this weekend against Carolina. Yeah, and Carolina was in the same position a couple weeks ago where they're looking at their schedule following the win against Arizona, where I think a couple weeks ago we would have thought that's probably chalked up to be a loss. Uh, Nuke Hopkins didn't play, neither did Kyler Murray. They end up winning that football game, then lose their next two, two games that you would have thought they needed to win in order to have any sort of chance to be in the playoff picture. And they went on Sunday. They're back at 6-7. and seven. If you look at both of these teams where they're only a game out, of the playoff spot. Now, Carolina's lost some tiebreakers to the Eagles and to Minnesota. The conference record's not great, so they probably need to get to 9-8, and eight, meaning they're going to have to win four of their final five games, which does not seem very realistic based off of the team that we've seen so far that's still here in Week 14 is hoping to find some sort of level of consistency. It's hard to get that when you have offensive line injuries. You're starting a third quarterback of the season in Cam Newton, who hopefully has a better grasp of the playbook, but did not lead you to feel very good about him uh, at the Miami game a couple weeks ago. And I'm not going to sit here and say that Cam's a bust and he's not going to be any good. He didn't uh, he didn't have a great grasp of the offense. Well, we'll see what it looks like the next couple of weeks. But yeah, for Carolina, the same thing. If they can beat Atlanta on Sunday, get to six and seven. You got four more games, Buffalo on the road. You got Tampa twice, New Orleans in the Superdome. You would think at least New Orleans a game that's certainly winnable. And if you can get Tampa at home and win that game, then I don't know, either sweep the Bucks or be able to go on the road to Buffalo, which I don't know. Buffalo doesn't look all that great. It's possible, but I'm not betting on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we're in, in, in similar spots, and uh, we'll sort of see where which team emerges this weekend certainly going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, and then let's, uh, you know, jump into some of those matchups. Uh, looking back at that last uh, game in week eight between the Falcons and Panthers, Carolina pounded the ball down the Falcons throat to the tune of 203 rushing yards. Uh, the question is going to be for this Falcon team. Can they stop the run against this Panthers team? Unlike last time. And, and if they do, do they have fear of this Carolina passing attack given as you mentioned, Cam Newton's most recent struggles. Where where are you with Carolina's you know run pass balance in terms of their offense? Uh, yeah, they're just not going to be a good passing team. It's just not what's going to happen this year. And they were set up, at least that's what they were trying to do when they brought in Sam Darnold, is to bring back the downfield passing game, which we only saw once this season early on week one against the New York Jets, the 57-yard passing touchdown he had to Robbie Anderson. And then we didn't see it again. Until Cam Newton had the deep ball a couple weeks ago in the loss to Miami, the ball he threw to DJ Moore. I don't have a lot of confidence in a Carolina Panthers passing attack. DJ Moore's had a pretty good season for the most part. He's kind of gone away uh, based off of the quarterback play. hasn't been great over the last couple months. Uh, Robbie Anderson has regressed significantly after signing an extension. I have to imagine that the front office can't be happy about what they've seen. Maybe they think it's a product of quarterback play. I don't know. But either way, Robbie Anderson has left a lot to be desired. And a number three wide receiver has never emerged. You lose Curtis Samuel, who it was either Taylor Moten, the right tackle, or Curtis Samuel uh, coming back. 
who they were going to resign, and they decided to get the offensive line, which makes a lot of sense considering the state of this offensive line. Yeah, it's just I, I don't see them having a ton of success even in the final five weeks throwing the football, and it doesn't help that the offensive line is banged up where you have three guys who are going to be out, two of them due to injury, the other one on the COVID list, and you're likely going to be starting a rookie in Brady Christensen. Cam Irving comes back at left tackle, where a lot of fans are not happy. They want Brady Christensen, who played left tackle as an All-American at BYU, to be at that spot. But for whatever reason, based off his, his arm length, his athleticism, the coaching staff thinks he's better suited inside as a guard. You're going to have another mix, mix max of uh, offensive linemen, which is not boding well for them to be able to throw the football. But running-wise, they haven't had much problem trying to run the football unless it's been kind of short yarded situation. So I would say that they're likely going to try and run it about 40 times like they did the first time around against Atlanta when they won that game back in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And Chuba Hubbard was the feature back that day. He'll once again be the feature back on Sunday with Christian McCaffrey on season ending IR. Yeah, we'll see, you know, what changes for this Falcons defense going up against this Panthers front. The Falcons run defense has been a little bit better since that day. They've tightened things up. They've added some beef in the middle with guys like Mike Pinnell and Anthony Rush. And and that's led to them being a little bit better stopping the run, but still inconsistent. But obviously it's going to be important for this game. You also are dealing with some injuries in the secondary where potentially starting cornerback Fabian Moreau is out of the lineup. Their uh, rookie uh, safety, who's been playing a lot of nickel snaps uh, over the last month, Richie Grant, is dealing with an ankle injury. Moreau's a hamstring injury. And so those guys status is day to day uh, and we'll see what their status is going to be on Sunday. But the Falcons could have, you know, two rookies replacing them with Darren Hall potentially being the top guy uh, replacing Fabian Moreau uh, on the outside and Avery Williams, their fifth round pick, uh, potentially being the the top nickel guy. And, and maybe we see the first snaps for Kendall Sheffield on defense this year, who's been relegated to a minimal role on special teams after, you know, being considered a potential starter for the team under the previous regime. So we'll see how that deals with the Falcons defense. But, you know, the other issue that the Falcons are going to have to deal with from a game plan standpoint, is they don't necessarily really know what Carolina is going to do now that they have a, a new offensive coordinator, right? Like basically yeah. my question to you, Julian, is who is Jeff Nixon and what are your expectations for what he's going to do this weekend and for the rest of the season? Jeff Nixon's one of uh, Matt Roll's old drinking buddies back from growing up in PA. Uh, I mean, they've known each other since high school. They played together at Penn State. Nixon left the NFL. where he, That's where he, most of his career had been as an NFL coach. Go down to Baylor to be the OC for Matt Rule. And they're such good friends that Matt Rule told him, hey, I'm going to the NFL. I want you to come with me. But you're not going to be the OC. And Nixon was like, all right, I'll come with you. I'll be, uh, one of, I'll be your, still your highest level assistant coach, but I won't be an OC. And he was humble enough to go help out his buddy and, and come here. And now he's going to be the play caller. Yeah, so maybe Jeff Nixon, he called plays again like at, at Baylor where he was the OC. And I guess there's probably a thought of why wasn't he the OC in the first place. Matt Rule said this past week that while he doesn't regret the decision to hire Joe Brady, he did go outside of his comfort zone when he went with the splash hire opposed to hiring someone that he knows. And you can see how that did not necessarily work out. I would also say it's not Joe Brady's fault entirely that things didn't work out. Like, first off, he should have never had the job. He didn't call plays at LSU. He didn't work with the quarterbacks. He was working with the wide receivers. Um, he didn't recruit Joe Burrow or any of those other guys or in the NFL right now. Uh, so I don't really understand how he was considered the architect of LSU's offense. Like they saw the one thing that changed was him coming in, but like he always got way too much credit. And he was basically set up for failure in the NFL when you hand him 
Sam Darnold to be his quarterback after this offseason, and you never address the offensive line. That being said, you saw the same issues in year two that you saw in year one with the lack of adjustments, particularly coming out of halftime, and his inability to kind of adapt to the National Football League going up against, in theory, the best defensive minds in football. He was not suited for the job. But he's 32, 31, whatever, however old he is. He's going to have plenty of time in the future to have an opportunity to be another OC in the NFL or in college, where I think his future is probably in the NFL, considering he's not much of a recruiter. And that's literally the entire game in college. And he also might have a chance to be a head coach. There's going to be plenty of people out there who still think he might be a candidate this cycle, despite what happened in Carolina. I've already seen a lot of folks on Twitter, especially the uh, NFL film Twitter, just breaking down, be like, how is he supposed to succeed with this? Well, you're right, but also the scheme sucks, man. It's pretty bland. So figure it out. I think he'll be fine in the long run. The Carolina Panthers now with Jeff Nixon are unlikely to change much. It's week 14. What are you really going to change? You can't change the scheme, can't change the system. Maybe you mix some things up, but likely what they're going to try and do is try to run the football where there was a major disconnect between Joe Brady and his pass-happy offense and what Matt Rule fundamentally wanted to do, which at the end of the day, I think is really why Joe Brady is no longer here in Carolina. And Jeff Nixon, Matt Rule's longtime friend, is now the play caller heading into this week 14 matchup against Atlanta on Sunday. So we're going to flip the squid, flip the script pretty shortly and and have Julian, you know, ask me to get some insights on this Falcon team. But my last question for you, Julian, is last time we chatted, you were very high on this Panthers defense. Where are you at yeah. right now with the Panthers defense this far at this point in the season? Yeah, I mean, they weren't going to be like the lights out every week. They, these The other guys get paid, too. I know there's some frustration, and especially the Washington game. A lot of folks roll the defense. It's their fault. They got ran all over. They haven't been a great rushing defense throughout the season. Like in their wins, I think they only give up about 65 yards rushing. And then in their losses, they give up uh, almost 200 yards. It's, it's not great. And they, the scheme, probably with the three-man front, doesn't help them. We've seen over the last couple of years, even dating back to the final year of Ron Rivera, they've been really bad against the run with three-man fronts. And you kind of have some of those, those linear-type bodies like Hassan Reddick and like Brian Burns that doesn't help them out at all. And the linebacker play outside of Shaq Thompson hasn't been incredible, but it happens. I, I think they're still a good unit. They're still the only thing to write home about um, this entire season in terms of just overall unit. And that and saying Gonzalez, the kicker, those have been really the bright spots for the Carolina Panthers. Losing Dante Jackson the rest of the season is unfortunate, but they have so much depth at corner that it doesn't really matter that much. Considering you have Stephon Gilmore, who... Like he's only still going to play about 40 to 45 snaps per game, which might not be enough for Carolina Panther fans. But depending on you know how things go, like that might just be enough for him, especially if he's going to go up against a guy like Kyle Pitts, and that's his assignment to take him away, like he did in the first game. You also got young guys like Keith Taylor, who's a sixth-round pick out of Washington, who they really like, who stepped up this season. You got A.J. Bouye still. You got C.J. Henderson, who you traded for. I think they'll be fine at corner. I think overall the defense is still a really solid unit. They've just been asked to basically go out there and win every game. And then friends or fans are trying to, uh, you know, put their frustration towards another place other than the offense and the head coach. And they've decided over the last couple of weeks to look at that Panthers defense that through 13 weeks has, I guess, a little bit gotten worn down from having to been out there so many minutes this season because they're losing the time of possession battle because the Carolina Panthers offense has been abysmal. Okay. So uh, let's uh, flip it up. Uh and we'll turn the keys over to uh, Julian Council uh, to uh, uh, ask me some questions about the Atlanta Falcons heading into this Week 14 matchup. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, back here on Crossover Thursday, Locked On Panthers host, I am Julian Council, alongside Locked On Falcons host, Aaron Freeman. Panthers-Falcons NFC South showdown at Bank of America Stadium on Sunday. Two teams who are trying to stay within the playoff race in the NFC, considering that no one wants to grab a hold of it, except for Washington, who's won four games in a row. Good job to Ron Rivera, the former head coach here in Carolina. I already talked to you about this earlier, Aaron, just the Falcons' hopes in getting in. I'm just curious, you know, you're looking at this first-year head coach and first-year GM. Overall, how have you felt things have gone looking at Terry Fontenot, the GM, and then the head coach, Arthur Smith, there in Atlanta through the first 13 weeks of the season? It's gone okay. I mean, it, it, it hasn't lived up to expectations. I think a lot of people had expectations, you know, not necessarily for Terry Fontenot to come in and, and sort of be this – genius general manager that's wheeling and dealing you know i think expectations were the falcons were kind of slow play this from a personnel standpoint and sort of figure out what they were going to have and then you know next offseason is going to be sort of the time where big bigger bolder moves are being made and i've been saying for basically six months that i'm fascinated to see what moves they make uh in 2022 but with arthur smith you know i think there were much bigger expectations. You you lose a player like Julio Jones, you lose your best uh, weapon, and then sort of uh, you wonder sort of who's going to step up and fill the void, and the expectations were that you would see Calvin Ridley do that, but then he comes out uh, to start the season and is, you know, not anywhere close to being as productive uh, in Arthur Smith's offense as he was in Dirk Cutter's offense the last couple of seasons. And that leaves you questioning, you know, what's going on with Arthur Smith's offense. Obviously, Calvin really dealing with some mental health issues and, and taking a break from football. Uh, and, you know, that last Panther game was the first time we sort of saw that be much more of a long term issue than it appeared to be earlier in the season where he missed the London game going back to week five. Uh, so, you know, that's a significant blow to this offense. Uh, but, you know, the expectations where Arthur Smith was going to do to Matt Ryan like he did with Ryan Tannehill and, and sort of uh, get him playing back at a high level, like a top 10 quarterback. And we saw a stretch of games earlier this season where Matt Ryan was playing at a high level. Uh, but uh, that kind of fell apart against Carolina and we haven't really seen it since. Uh, and so it leaves a lot to be desired with Arthur Smith's offense. Uh, the running game has been working a little bit better these last couple of weeks, but the passing game still looks stagnant. Again, some of that's owed to not having the uh, the ideal weapons, although Kyle Pitts has been very productive and is probably going to be a pro bowler this year. Russell Gage is coming off a 130-yard performance against Tampa Bay, a, a career high for him. The offensive line is still a work in progress. It's up, it's down. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure you know all about that life, Julian. Uh, watching that's all the I know. Line struggle. That's all I know. I don't know. I don't know any other life. The last decade, that's what it's been here in Carolina. You know, so, you know, I think with Arthur Smith, you know, expectations were high. They haven't quite lived up to those expectations. And I think that's kind of what I was getting at earlier in the show where it's like, are we going to see 
more of what we kind of thought we would see from Arthur Smith's offense uh, as this season wraps up? Or is it just going to continue to be sort of the ups and downs and some positives, but more negatives? And are we just basically going to be putting all our hopes uh, into 2022 to be when everything sort of comes together? And, And that's sort of the lingering question for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this. In terms of the run game, if you need a get-right game, here it is, Carolina. They have not been able to stop the run a lot of times this season. And I I do kind of chuckle a little bit when you say the expectation was for him to do with Matt Ryan what he did with Ryan Tannehill. I only chuckle because, like, Matt Ryan's the MVP of the freaking league one time, and Ryan Tannehill's never done anything. Like, okay, the Titans, they got to the AFC Championship game a couple years ago on the back of of Derrick Henry. They're still in decent position right now to win the division. Well, it's not like, I, like Ryan Tannehill is like that great of a quarterback. So I just think it's kind of funny. And I know Panther fans have always crapped on Matt Ryan, be like one hit wonder. Guys, newsflash, same thing that, Pan- that Falcons fans say about Cam Newton. So I'm just going to throw that one out there, even if it upsets a few people. Just going to keep it real. Um, let's stay there with the offense, though. You, you bring up Calvin Ridley, and I hope he's doing all right. I mean, it's obviously football is just a game. There's far more th- important things to life, and especially mental health, which has been – a trend where a lot of athletes in recent times have come out and have been open about what they've been struggling with in his absence, where have the Falcons been able to turn to in terms of trying to find someone to fill the void while Calvin really takes time to himself. And I assume he's probably going to be what done for the rest of the season here. Yeah. You, you know, the expectation would have been, Oh, Kyle Pitts, this is uh, Kyle Pitts is time to shine. And it really hasn't been the case these last couple of weeks. I think, Part of it, you know, watching the All-22 these last couple of weeks, and it, it started in that Carolina game again uh, when, you know, we learned that morning that Calvin Ridley was not going to play. And um, it, it felt like Matt Ryan has been looking a lot towards Kyle Pitts to be the guy. And we saw in that Carolina game, you know, Stephon Gilmore had a really great day, you know, keeping him in check. And Kyle Pitts basically said after the game that that was kind of his welcome to the NFL moment uh, where he realized that he still had a, a long way to go uh, for him to, you know, be the player that he obviously wants to be. Um, and you haven't really seen that connection with Matt Ryan and Kyle Pitts these last couple of weeks. It's not to say Kyle Pitts has not been a factor, but he hasn't been, you know, sort of that true number one taking over the offense. And the last couple of weeks, that's led to the team having to rely a lot more on a player like Russell Gage. And that's not really the ideal role for him. Obviously you still have Cordero Patterson, who's basically been the league's most dynamic, I guess, pass catching running back, uh, being able to split reps, not only at running back, but also uh, splitting out wide and, and playing, some wide receiver for the Falcons team. So it's kind of a spread uh, between those three guys kind of trying to fill that void left by Calvin Ridley. But, you know, it's kind of week to week where you don't know who you're going to be able to rely on to step up in an individual week. And in the last couple of games, it's been more Gage and Patterson than necessarily Pitts. But maybe this is the week where, uh, you know, Pitts takes what he learned uh, in that first matchup against Stephon Gilmore and and maybe applies it better. And maybe he gets the better of him uh, this time around. Let's look at the defense. Your guy, Dan Quinn, down there in Dallas in the Metroplex, got a pretty good defense, and there's some whispers that maybe he might get another head coaching opportunity this cycle, which uh, leads me to ask. So I guess it wasn't really Dan Quinn's fault after all, right? No, not really. And, you know, this is how it goes. You you know how this goes when you uh, fire a coach. And everybody blames all the problems that existed on the team, on that coach. And they act like that coach has no business 
ever coaching again in the National Football League. He can't even put together a competent high school defense. And and we see this story play out all the time. It's just, you know, uh, bitter bitterness and, and all that sort of stuff uh, when it comes to Dan Quinn. The issue the Falcons have on defense is they can't pressure the quarterback. And their coverage is, well, okay, largely due to A.J. Terrell basically shutting down his side of the field. The other side of the field is, is by no means being shut down. Uh, so quarterbacks can just kind of sit back in the pocket and just kind of pick apart the other half of the field and, and just know they're going to have time to throw. Uh, and when you have that, there's really nothing a defensive coordinator, there's nothing a coach can really do uh, to fix that problem if you cannot pressure the quarterback. And so that's going to be the challenge for the Falcons. Fortunately, Carolina's offensive line has been known to, uh, you know, maybe you talk about get right games for the Falcons uh, running game. You know, hopefully this maybe is a get right game for the Falcons pass rush, given the struggles that Carolina's offensive line has had uh, this year. But uh, yeah, as far as Dan Quinn goes, he's doing a great job in Dallas. I was never one of these people trying to pin all the problems of the Falcons on him. Obviously, he had some issues. Obviously, he made some mistakes, but I always thought of him as a good coach that things just sort of unraveled for him, you know, after that Super Bowl. And and it was always about trying to get that back. And that's just not a good place to be when you're trying to get back to the the top of the mountain when you've already sort of tumbled down a, a couple thousand feet or, or as they say. Yeah, it seems like the uh, Falcons have had one of the longest Super Bowl hangovers we've ever seen. If anything, probably uh, Thomas Dimitrov deserves most of the blame because he is the personnel guy, the former GM there in Atlanta. All right, we'll take uh, another quick pause here. And then when we come back, we'll just get some final thoughts on, of course, the game of the year in the NFC South. The Carolina Panthers hosting the Atlanta Falcons Sunday afternoon at Bank of America Stadium. We'll be right back. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium is less than 100 days away and on location. The official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once in a lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five star L.A. hotels and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. BetOnline has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as the football season continues its march towards the playoffs. BetOnline.ag remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from the NBA to college basketball, the NFL, college football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021-22 season. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So we're continuing crossover Thursday here with Julian Council, the host of the Locked On Panthers podcast, and of course myself, Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons, wrapping up today's preview of this Week 14 matchup between the Panthers and Falcons. And of course, let's sort of get into maybe some keys to victory, maybe some predictions or whatever the case may be. Obviously, the Panthers are favored in this game by two and a half points uh, at home. So basically, Vegas is telling us that they see these teams as pretty evenly matched, although I guess two and a half points with the home team getting three points. That means Vegas kind of thinks the Falcons are slightly better. Uh, You know, Julian, how do you feel about that? And and sort of what are are your final sort of expectations on this uh, matchup on Sunday? 
What do I expect to see on Sunday? I don't know. What, what do you expect to see on Sunday? What, <laughs> I, with these two teams, I have no clue. I, a couple weeks ago when we did this, I felt like Carolina was going to win just based off of a gut feeling. I have no gut feeling this week. I, I just don't really have any feeling at all. I'm just very numb to what I've witnessed through the last 13 weeks of the season. And maybe I'm being dramatic. It's the ebbs and flows of an NFL season. I tell my listeners all the time, it's a week-to-week league. You can't ever get too high, get too low. I just don't really know how to feel about this team. Like When I look at the offense that you asked me about earlier, Cam Irving's back at left tackle. And Deontay Brown, who has not played yet this season, he was a six-round draft pick out of Alabama. A lot of fans want to see him play. He might get a chance at guard this week, especially if there is going to be some sort of injury. But looking at it right now, the offensive line likely is going to be Cam Irving. You're going to have Dennis Daly, Brady Christensen at the two guard spots, Pat Elfline at center, and at right tackle, the only steady presence on the offensive line, Taylor Moten. You're not going to have John Miller, who's been banged up all season long. He's also been on COVID list before. He's not going to play. Michael Jordan, who struggled with holes the last couple of weeks, he's probably not going to play on Sunday. Matt Rule at he's not going to hold out hope that he's going to play. And you also have Trent Scott, who has not been good, I think he registered a zero, according to Pro Football Focus, his last time out um, in terms of his blocking grade. I don't know how that's even possible. I thought it's like the SAT where you show up and you get points of writing down your name. Apparently, that's not the case. So you got those four guys, you got those three guys out, and your starting center to start off the season. Matt Paradis is out for the season. So four of your top offensive linemen are not available. And it kind of comes down to if the Carolina Panthers can't protect Cam Newton or run the football, I don't really know what they can do. And I know you take away Joe Brady, but the offensive line still is a disaster based off of just the skill level, the continuity, and the the amount of injuries. It's hard for anyone to expect anything positive from them just based off of all those factors where I think they might be starting their ninth offensive line combination on Sunday. Even if they were the best O-line in football, you could not expect this team to go out there and have a ton of success. Now, would they be as bad as the Carolina Panthers have been? Probably not. And that's a problem. So when you factor in just who's going to be available, who's not going to be available, I don't know what to expect from the offensive line. I don't have a lot of, um, you know, positive feelings towards what they might be able to do. Uh, And then quarterback wise, I don't know what to expect from Cam. It just didn't look great last time against Miami. It's a bad game. It happens. And I want to believe in Cam. I want him to, you know, potentially have an opportunity next season. I'm just not all on board right now, just based off of the last thing I saw from him. But we did see some good moments against Washington and, of course, Arizona in the limited snaps that he had there with the two touchdowns and nine snaps. Pretty good uh, ratio there for Cam Newton. I just don't really know, and I've said that multiple times, I don't know what to expect on Sunday from the Carolina Panthers. You would think, like a couple weeks ago against Miami on the road, it's a game that you got to win if you want to go to the playoffs, and they lost that game. They showed really no heart at all. They are the most penalized team in the National Football League. They brought in uh, coaches, or not, they brought in referees on Wednesday's practice to try and figure out what the hell is going on and the technique and the focus and all of that has not been there all season long. If anything, I'd probably expect more of the same, but I would not be surprised too, too if they come out and blow the doors off the Falcons or win a close game. Any result that happens on Sunday is unlikely to surprise me at all. That's where I'm at with the Carolina Panthers. Any result, okay, yeah, they blew them out. Sure, they got blown out. Yeah, it makes sense. They won a close game. Awesome. It was just a gross game that one of the teams found a way to win. Yeah. 
I, I see that happening. So that's kind of where I'm at. I don't know where where are you at in terms of going into this game with Atlanta? I, I probably the same way. It may be not as cynical. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I, I, I reached that level of cynicism, but it, it, it's it's pretty up there. Uh, you know, it, it's rare that someone can out uh, what cynicize me, cynic me, whatever the case may be uh, for the Locked On Falcons listeners that know that. Um, but, you know, I think with this Falcons team, I, I'm in a similar place. I don't really know what to expect from this team. I expect them to play well, but I, I don't know if that's just hope or actual expectations because I just want this team to give me something in these final weeks of the season that can make me still remain invested uh, in this season. But if, you know, as I said earlier, if they lose this game, it's just kind of like we're just going through the motions until the end of the season at that point in time. So I, I'm I'm very curious to see what team shows up, if they can kind of build off of that. That was a, a theme earlier in the season where they get better every single week. And then they hit that that um, skid when they got blown out by Dallas, they got blown out by new England. They barely beat Jacksonville. They are look competitive against Tampa Bay. So it's like, okay, are they back on this trend towards getting better each and every week? And we'll see on Sunday, you know, these are two teams that are not known for offensive firepower, but you know how this season goes and how weird it is in the NFL. It wouldn't completely shock me that these two, you know, bottom of the league offenses both find ways to, to drop 30 points on each other this week or something. And we wind up getting like a 34 to 31 type of ball game. And it'll be like, Possibly. yeah, sure. That's, that's, that's the one thing that hasn't happened for either one of these teams. They got to check that box eventually or, or something like that. So I'm in a similar place where my expectations are kind of all over the place, but I guess if, if, you know, the norm plays out, it's going to be a similar game to what we saw you know, back in week eight, where it's going to be a, a low scoring, close ball game coming down to potentially the final possession. And we'll just sort of see, you know, which team wants it more, as they say. Yeah. And I'll close on this. Just kind of a positive spin where you, you talk about potentially going through the motions in the final five weeks of the season. And there were still things for the Carolina Panthers to be able to learn and find out about this team as they head into the offseason. And it sucks to be here in early December and be talking about offseason, what kind of changes are going to happen. But there's going to be a lot of changes made not just to the personnel, but also to the coaching staff. Like You get to see what you have in Jeff Nixon as a play caller. Matt Rule does. And he knows Jeff Nixon for a long time, and maybe this should have been the guy he should have hired in the first place. You get to potentially see what Brady Christensen can offer, where he will be a starting offensive lineman next year. And even hopefully Deontay Brown for the Carolina Panthers, who hasn't gotten an opportunity this season, you'll see what you have in him. And you get to see what you have in Pat Elfline, who's going to probably get the first crack to be a starting center next year for the Panthers, depending on what they do in the draft and free agency get to see Keith Taylor, CJ Henderson, and that will play a factor into whether they want to bring back Stephon Gilmore. You also get to see Stephon Gilmore the next couple of weeks. And also Dante Jackson's out. What will his future be in Carolina? And you would like to see something out of Terrace Marshall here in the next couple of weeks that will lead you to believe that he can step up and be that number three wide receiver. And of course, Cam, the most important factor, they got to figure out the quarterback position, that and offensive line. If Cam Newton can somehow put on the Superman costume and be super cam and lead them down the stretch to the playoffs. That would make their job a lot easier in evaluating the quarterback position and offering him a contract to be the quarterback next season. I, I don't right now. I, I wouldn't say that they were leaning on doing that, but also just one game against Miami. So there are plenty of things for Panther fans to still tune into on Sundays, tuning in to watch their team win with the ex expectations, probably not one of them, but there are certainly other things to watch to see what could happen moving forward past the season and some sort of positives you can get from some of the younger players. It stinks to be in this position, but hey, that's just where we're at right now. And hopefully next year, which will very much, very likely be a 
win or else year for Matt Rule. That's what we'll see here in the next couple of weeks for the Carolina Panthers starting on Sunday at home against Atlanta. Great conversation there with Aaron Freeman, the host of the Locked On Falcons podcast. Make sure you go check him out where you check me out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Also find us on Spotify and all the other major platforms out there where you get your podcasts. And make sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where tomorrow is Friday. So I'm going to be answering your weekly Friday mailbag questions. Need some questions. Not getting very many this week. Come on, guys. Get it together. Either at me or DM me. Make sure to first follow me at Julian Council on Twitter. Until then, take care, appreciate the support, and I will talk to y'all on Friday. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.